are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Welcome to Informative Conversations podcast show. My guest today is Chief Happy Officer Leslie Pogue. Leslie is a mental health and wellness coach. Welcome, Leslie. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Sure. Leslie, let me begin by saying thank you for accepting my invitation. I mean, I I was I've been following you on your uh, social media site, which you have plenty of, <laughs> and, and I'm and I found you very interesting, and we'll we'll get into why you're so interesting to me. But before we do that, I want you to tell my listeners a little about yourself. Thank you again. Um, yes, I am a, a mental wellness coach. I know you said I'm chief happy officer. I'm chief happy officer of LP Speak, which is my uh, company. And I do mental wellness coaching, but I do it from a, a evidence-based place and also from a place of experience because I was diagnosed with anxiety, panic disorder with depression in my early 20s. And I just began speaking about it and sharing it with people it evolved into other things. And I got my master's degree in 2020. But even before that, I suspected just what I had researched, I suspected I had bipolar. And so in 2020, that was confirmed for me. And it turns out I don't have anxiety, panic disorder with depression, which actually are symptoms of a bigger issue, which it turns out is bipolar too. <laughs> so, um, so even during COVID and, and actually in this case, I'm actually thankful to COVID because it really helped me discover some things, not only about myself, but it also allowed me to, I got my master's during COVID, which was challenging. Um, but I also learned about the bipolar, which just really helped me understand. You know, I have my master's in psychology, but I'm not a therapist. I'm definitely a coach, which is definitely different. And I use my own experience to just push you through. But I'm like, I hate to say it, but I'm like a girlfriend. I, I, I talk to you like a person that's, that understands the dark days. I definitely, again, use evidence-based tools to give you. But at the same time, I'm just a safe space. So now that is the reason why you were so interesting to me, because, of course, I, well, I can only speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I said, now, how could she be a mental health and wellness coach if she has bipolar too? But as I started to look at your information, I'm thinking, this is good. This is helpful. And it caused me to broaden my perspective of mental health and wellness. So I want you to tell my listeners, what is bipolar two disorder? Well, bipolar 2 disorder is a diagnosable disorder and it is it it involves depressive moods and a less severe form of mania. 
which a lot of people think that mania is sadness, but mania is actually that uncontrollable, I'm all over the place kind of thing. Um, but with bipolar one, it's called hypomania. And with bipolar two, it's just a lesser um, version of that. Hypomania is an overactive and excitable behavior that can impact your daily life. So it it mirrors, it can look like what we know to be ADD, but it's really just a lot of mood swings. Um, you make irrational decisions, lack of pleasure. So you're always dissatisfied. Um, some people do self-harm, like um, cutting or pulling their hair. And it could even be something as simple as overeating or uh, smoking and, and, and drinking to excess. So it's different things like that. Okay, so then, so because, you know, I, I've come in contact with people who have those symptoms. And so I, I never think of it as, as any mental issue. So, so when and how does a person know they have a mental health disorder? Well, really, it's about length of time. Because as human beings, of course, we do all those things, right? Mm -hmm. We have sad days. We have good days and bad days. We enjoy ourselves with alcohol sometimes and different things. And so it's, it's um, a good way to pay attention to that is what I learned is called FIDO, F-I-D-O, which is, stands for Frequency, Intensity, Duration, and onset. And a lot of times if you go to see a therapist, they'll say, so how long has this been going on? How does it impact your daily life? That's exactly what FIDO is. So you want to think about how long it's been going on, how much it changes your life. Does it stop you from working? Does it stop you from thinking? Things like that. And if it's lasted longer than two weeks to a month, then, and again, I'm not a therapist, but if it's lasted longer than two weeks to a month, if you see this continually to go on and continually um, interrupting your daily life, that's when you want to start asking questions. That's when you want to start um, tracking it. So if you have it within your capacity to start tracking this behavior, do that. If not, if you trust someone to tell you about, hey, you know, have you noticed I've, that I've changed it all lately? Have you noticed different things in me lately? Can you tell me about that? And see if the people around you have noticed a difference in your behavior as well, like mood swings or you don't really want to do anything. And that'll kind of clue you into hmm, maybe something more serious is wrong than just I hate my job or the kids are getting on my nerves or whatever it is that's that's involved with daily living. Mm, okay. Let me ask you, I, I heard you say you're not a therapist. Is there a difference between, um, what, what is the difference then between a mental health coach and a mental wellness coach and a therapist? Thank you for that question, because that is a big question. And therapists really get on coaches and things about that. Well, you're not a therapist, so you shouldn't be giving advice and all this. And it's true. Um, a therapist is a licensed professional. A lot of times coaches have some background, some knowledge. Um, one thing that's taboo in this um, industry is life coaches. And I don't want to put down anyone that is a life coach because they also do very valid work. But sadly, like a lot of industries, you have people out there calling themselves a life coach and they have just been on their job for a number of years and they consider themselves capable of coaching. And coaching is a different animal. Coaching like therapy 
um, is designed to guide you as the client, as the person you're coaching to the answer. You don't tell them what to do. You don't give them, you know, specifics about their life. You give them tools and techniques for it to be self-discovery. But the primary difference is that a therapist or a psychologist, they are a licensed professional and you don't need a license to be a coach. Mm, okay. Yeah. So um, I want to talk about some of the some of the things that I learned as I've been following you. So you talk about um, seasonal affective disorder mm-hmm. and how it causes depression. What, what is it and why does it cause depression? Um, Seasonal affective disorder is um, commonly known as SAD, and it's because different people have uh, mechanisms in their brain where if it's like gray all the time or they don't get a lot of sunlight and um, it can cause fatigue, depression and hopelessness. So by because of that, they have this seasonal situation that happens every single year. Now it can also happen around the holidays. It can happen, it usually does happen when the seasons change. And so they, they're affected in that way. Just like I, I knew that I could never live in Seattle because it rains most of the year. I would be under my bed in a blanket like every day because it's just so gray and sad. So seasonal affective disorder just means that you um, don't you don't react well to when things um, are changing. So a good treatment for that though is light therapy. So when when that happens, I know I personally use a um, a clock that simulates the sunrise. Sunrise clocks are great even if you don't suffer from seasonal affective disorder, sunrise clots are great because it start it it lights the room slowly as if you have a sunrise coming. And it's a wonderful way to start your day that way because our brains really relate and, and react to sunlight in a positive way. You see that you're being fatigued or you're sad or you just want to withdraw into a ball whenever it's really rainy and, and gray outside then that's not necessarily seasonal affective disorder, but when you're seeing it happen every time, every year that the seasons change, then that's when you want to start asking questions. Okay. All right. Another one is Super Bowl Sunday and mental health. That was interesting to me. Yeah. A friend of mine recommended that. A friend of mine asked me the question about, you know, is there any mental health around Super Bowl Sunday? And even I had to think about that, but there is, there's a lot of, uh, social anxiety around Super Bowl Sunday, because again, a lot of introverts and people who manage anxiety and depression, um, we don't want, the world is designed for extroverts. So we want to be a part of that. And, but it's challenging. It's overwhelming for us a lot of times with introversion and anxiety. So by getting out there, having friends that are extroverts is helpful. I always tell people, if you're an introvert or if you suffer from anxiety, surround yourself with people who are not that way, because then you can kind of slide in the back door a little bit. (laughs) Um, So that way you can still participate, but they're doing all the hooping and hollering and all that kind of thing. I know most of my friends are extroverts, which is interesting. 
So uh, help that helps that a lot because um, the stimuli is too much. It gets to be too much. And so with when you have anxiety, bipolar, things like that, you have to, there's a moment where you have, you shut down. Mm. So with Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday is a very hyped up, very social situation. Sometimes it's in someone's home. Sometimes it's out at a restaurant and there's, you have no control over all the stimuli that's happening. So you have to find those mechanisms that help you um, get through that. Also the isolation, you can feel isolated if you don't have a lot of friends that, um, that can help you go to those events. So people feel left out. And so by setting up a situation where it's um, a hybrid, so you can do an online party with people and see if whoever, if you do know someone or family member that's having a situation, maybe they can set up a Zoom meeting to include you in that. But yeah, if you, if you, with Super Bowl Sunday, isolation and anxiety, these are things that kick up very high and it can keep them from participating a lot of the time. Okay. And so one of the things you said too, you said our brains can't be emotional and logical at the same time. Speak on that. Our brain is, um, a lot of our emotion comes from the, um, the, uh, what is it? The frontal cortex of our, of our mind. So without getting too technical about that, our brains are, there's a lot, there's, it's like firing. It's like turning on a switch on and off, on and off, on and off. So every time we have a behavior, when we do different things, there are different things firing in our brains. Mm-hmm. So when you are about to, if you find yourself in a, say, perfect example is you're meeting with your boss because you're getting a performance review and mm-hmm. it's sensitive and all of a sudden you want to cry. That is not mm-hmm. the time to start crying. So how do you stop from doing that? Mm. You do a different behavior. You, mm. you fire something else in your brain. Now, one thing I've learned, and again, this is kind of like um, old wives tales kinds of things, but they work. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't look for this in a journal or any kind of thing like that. Mm-hmm. But what happens is if you start doing logical math and simple things, one plus one is two, two plus two is four, three plus three is um, six, things like that. It fires that logic in your brain and you can keep yourself from crying. Another um, technique too, someone mentioned that if you touch your, your tongue to the roof of your mouth, it also helps to stop you, stop you from crying. So Different things start firing differently in the brain to allow you to shift that focus from that emotion to being able to hold on to it to get to the next thing. Breathing is also another thing. If you can breathe in and out, you know, just take a deep breath, that helps as well. Yeah. You have some very interesting articles on your website. And I I want you to just speak to a few of them. Just tell my listeners a little bit about them. Okay. No, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed the articles. Uh, My articles are really just my way of dealing with life. I always say, you know, it's just one chick's way of dealing with life. And I'm just honest. I put it out there. And a couple of my favorites is you're not Scarlett O'Hara. You're just a little black girl. And the other one is service or control. And I'll talk to that one in a second. But 
it was inspired by a lot of my friends giving me a hard time because I always say, you know, I won't think about that now. I'll think about that tomorrow. Or um, I will be doing something like a friend of mine, we were having a party and she asked me to help clean up. And I'm like, oh, I don't touch food. I don't eat. I'm sorry. I don't uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm very much of a hot house orchid in that I'm and I'm very vocal <laughs> so it's like oh no 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 I don't I don't do that like sit down on the ground sit down on the ground oh no no I, I don't oh mm-hmm. my goodness you want me to what I'm so sorry I don't do that and so <laughs> so I'm very Scarlet O'Hara like and and <laughs> my friends give me such a hard time about it. it's like oh no no you know Leslie she's not going to do that oh um my and I say it kind of like that too. I say it even in a snotty way. It's like, oh, what? You, I touch yeah. my, I touch my chest, and it's like, what? You want me to what? I'm sorry, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So, so I was inspired because I love Gone with the Wind. It's actually my number two favorite movie of all time, and um, I was inspired. I don't remember the situation, but it was a situation with a friend, and I was inspired to write it. And basically, it's saying that you know, be honest about who you are. Don't worry about what other people are thinking because even though someone might say, you are not Scarlett O'Hara, you're just a little black girl, you are who you are. Mm -hmm. And I'm a hothouse orchid. I make no bones about that. My friends that have been around me, especially with some time, they get it, Mm -hmm. they know, and they even will say before I would say, oh, no, no, don't add, no, Leslie won't. Mm-mm, that's not a thing Leslie will do. <laughs> Leslie won't do that. I have to ask. Sure. Is that, do, is that related to your bipolar? I think that's more about me being who I am. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because, the, and that's, I want to make, I'm glad you asked that question because I want to make that point as well. People who manage a mental illness, um, there are going to be some like anything else that rely on that as an excuse for everything. And mm-hmm. just like people who have a physical illness, they're going to say, oh, well, I can't do that because fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not one of those people. And there are a lot of, actually most people who manage a mental illness don't do that. So mm-hmm. keep in mind, with or without a mental illness, we're all mm-hmm. human beings. So right. there's going to be human being behavior that's going to just happen. And mm-hmm. that's just me. I've always been... I always say, again, a hothouse orchid. I need tender care. I am very prissy and primpy mm-hmm. and I I own it. So mm-hmm. I say that to say, if that's who you are, own it. And the people around you, they will get it. And the ones who don't, they don't. But that's, that's their issue, not yours. How long did it take you to become the person that owns who you really are? I love that. Um, it's a, it's twofold actually one age. So after 40, I was a lot more honest. And I tell you something magical happens after 50, after 50, I really am like, look, I, I'm not that person. I don't do it. Right. So age is part of it. The other part is owning my disorder and owning myself. I, I, when I was younger, even aside from the mental illness, I had very strong, uh, self self-worth issues. I was, I always had high self-esteem, mm-hmm. but I had very low self-worth, meaning hold, that- Hold, hold up, hold up. Okay. I, that, that, oh, I've never heard that as a comparison, meaning they're different. Okay. So before you go on, and you can use examples, okay. I want you to explain each of them and how they're different because okay. I, I can't see 
you having one without the other. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I mean by that is self-esteem is, is how confident you are in the world, mm-hmm. how you show up in the world. And I, I had been singing since I was nine years old. So there's, there was a crutch that I had. I don't want to use it to say a crutch. I guess that's not the right word, but it was more of, I'm awesome and amazing in the world because I'm a singer. I can sing. So my self-esteem, I always felt good about myself um, because I knew I had this talent and I always thought I was pretty and all these kinds of things. So me showing up in the world appeared very confident. Mm. However, my self-worth is how I value myself. So Mm. the difference, again, self-esteem is how you show up, how you go into a room. How you value yourself, though, is the things that you allow to happen, the, mm-hmm. how you allow people to treat you, how you allow people to talk to you, how you mm-hmm. even talk about yourself and treat yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the self-worth. And I, one of the best movies about self-worth is The Joy Luck Club. I say this every time I talk about the difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is a great movie that talks primarily about self-worth. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. movie. It's long. I'm going to warn you. It's long, but it's beautiful. And so with self-worth, when you say that you're ugly or you're fat or you're lazy, that's that's bad. That's that's low self-worth. When you allow other people to, you know, put you down or, you know, tell you that you're not worthy of something. So mm-hmm. that that's where that imposter syndrome comes from. You were so used to hearing that you're not good enough. And so when you branch out on your own, you're second guessing the knowledge that you've worked so hard to gain, the experience that you know that you have. But because mm-hmm. that that story is playing in your head, either from mm-hmm. friends, from your mother, from men you've dated, from women you've dated, whoever mm-hmm. it is in mm-hmm. your head that has that on repeat, mm-hmm. you, uh, you operate in the world in that way. And so mm-hmm. your self-worth can get diminished. You can still step out in the world like you own the place. Mm. But the moment someone has something negative to say, that's when things can shift. Uh, And you, yeah, and you lose that. That's good. That's good. Thank you for that. Now, um, you also have uh, several, uh, well, you have some signature topics and, and programs. Would you share that with my listeners? Of course. Um, I really have one primarily one primary signature topic, and that focuses on behavior and habit. That is that's what I call my superpower. I um, I I understand behavior because that feeds into what we do, how we show up in the world. And so my my topic and my signature lectures and products are around what I call the habit of happy. And happy is an acronym for hear your truth, acknowledge your feelings, Mm -hmm. give yourself permission to feel better, Mm -hmm. purge the past, and Mm -hmm. then yield to the new life you've created. Mm -hmm. And so it was inspired by the movie 28 Days with Sandra Bullock. And if you haven't noticed a pattern here, movies influence my life quite a bit, (laughs) which is also great because movies are great for... um, digging up emotion and helping you get in touch with what's going on, especially if you're having trouble vocalizing it. A movie is great for that. 
But um, I use that as a system. It's it's a tool that you can drop into a lot of situations like team building, like um, leadership, like uh, difficult having difficult situations. So I use that. And then I'm also I have a webinar that's on burnout. And so that's also on my website, especially since we're remote working. Some mm-hmm. people aren't stopping because they're already in their home space. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to keep those separate work mm-hmm. and home, even if you're doing it in your home. So that's another um, pro- product and, and program that I have. And lastly, what's coming up this summer is a, a self-paced, and you can also purchase the coaching piece, is the 28-day, four-week coaching program. And so I do have a self-paced version that will be coming out, and people can uh, pre-register for that, get on the list so I can give them all the information. But it basically walks through the habit of happy, and it walks through over the course of four weeks, just making that discovery of getting you to really think about your truths. And um, I'll give away one of the first exercises. One of the first exercises is to make a list of the major life changes that have happened in your life over the last one to three years. If you mm-hmm. want to go that far, you can, but really one year is is sufficient. But mm-hmm. things like you got a job or you lost a job, you mm-hmm. had children, you got married, you started menopause. All these things are major. These are big things in your life. Mm-hmm. So write all those down. And then next to each one, write SI for self-inflicted or uh, TU for thrust upon you. Mm. And by doing that, by breaking down the things that have the big life changes in your life and thinking about and really getting yourself to think about how are my choices happening? Are most of these thrust upon me? And then the ones that are thrust upon me, what within that did I, you know, am I, do I have a hand in? And then the stuff that is self-inflicted, these choices I made. So, you know, these are things that help you to look at. And by going through my coaching program, it helps you to dig a little deeper on how to change some of that behavior that's getting you in these situations. Mm, That's great. Okay. So now something else, you you know, I, I wanted to ask you this. Are you on any medication? I am actually, I am finally on the right medication (laughs) because for years I've been on anxiety medication. Whenever you are uh, prescribed a medication, we have the internet now. Mm -hmm. Like back in the day, you couldn't find anything out about it. You have the right to say, hold on, let me do some research on it. Give me a list of one or two or a few that you're recommending that you think I should be on. Do your homework because the information is out there and look for the side effects. Ask your doctor how long they think you should be on it and the milligrams they think you should be on. So for years, would you say you were misdiagnosed and using the wrong medication? That's part one of the question. And Mm -hmm. part two is um, what are some of the differences you're seeing now that you've been properly diagnosed? Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Um, I definitely was, was misdiagnosed for sure. Mm -hmm. And 
by being on the wrong medication, it's not addressing the actual issue. With bipolar, the actual, the primary, I shouldn't say actual, because most mental illnesses have a comorbidity. And what I mean by that is there's usually more than one thing happening. So that's why you hear a lot of people say depression, anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. uh, schizophrenia and depression. Like there's, there's usually more than one and usually more than two, you know, things on top of each other. Mm -hmm. But what's different primarily for me is the highs and lows, because mm-hmm. that is the the hypomania is the primary thing when it comes to bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. People who have bipolar one, their highs and lows are at such an extreme that it's challenging to even keep a job mm-hmm. because they just go from total mm-hmm. to nothing like they can't mm-hmm. function at all. Mm-hmm. Mine is a little bit less, but still has those highs and lows. So by addressing that and making you more even and what typically deals with that is your uh, serotonin levels, your SSRIs, um, your serotonin and norepinephrine levels, that helps. So your, the food you eat is so important. Oh, the, yes. Yeah, alcohol or non-alcohol. And if you do decide to drink, just understanding what that's going to do in your body, all that plays a factor. But yeah, that's the primary difference in the medicine I'm on now. When I was on the anxiety medication, um, it helped me in, like I was less, uh, I had, it was easier to be in the social situations. It didn't impact me as much. It helped me to be in social situations better. So it, I wasn't as hesitant to be out in social situations. So it calmed all of that. Whereas with the, it helps me more all the way around. I still get the stimuli and it's too much, but um, it really helps the highs and the lows. So the anxiety, when I was on the anxiety and depression medication, it's actually, I'm going to be honest, on every medication I've been on since I was diagnosed initially um, back then, the depression never, ever went away, really. Mm-hmm. I, I still had major highs and major lows. And a sign of that was I would do like, eight projects at the same time wouldn't finish a single one of them or some would get finished but I kept piling things on because I was like and I'd go out and I'd have fun and I'd meet people and I'd do all these things and it was like this constant needing to be up Mm. and then I would crash And so I'd stay on the couch for days at a time. I'd be sluggish at work. I couldn't focus. All of these things were, it was, and it was at an extreme in both directions. That, that's, that's very impactful in your life and very exhausting, quite honestly. So with being on the anxiety medication, it helped a little, Mm -hmm. but mostly it helped me as far as my sleep. It helped me, um, again, whenever I would be in social situations that I didn't hit that limit as quickly. Um, so it was helpful there. Evens me out. So no matter what's happening. So in the depression side, I don't have the dramatic highs and lows. In the social situations, because I'm sleeping well and because I'm not exhausted from the highs and lows, I can handle a little bit more of the social situations. Um, I'm not as afraid. Um, so it it really levels you off and it helps mm-hmm. you to manage life a little better in that way. First of all, thank you for your your honesty and mm-hmm. in, in sharing the truth with with my listeners. So I, I want to talk about this um, 
Hear Your Truth Tuesdays? Yes, Hear Your okay. Truth Tuesday. I think so. I may have been reading something. It is so much you have out there. But I know. <laughs> there's such thing as uh, grief and trauma and it's holes in the memory and it's called memory loss. Okay. And you were saying one of your friends has said something to you about that one time because you start saying something and then forget what you were going to say or something like that and then mm-hmm. go forth. Well, it was interesting to me because to me, <laughs> that's called menopause, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I had an aunt and I've, I've known other people to have family members that they have, um, they call dementia and mm-hmm. not Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. But after a while, and, and their dementia came from a traumatic experience, but mm-hmm. after a while, they start to get better mm-hmm. and they no longer need to be in a facility. They are mm-hmm. well enough to be home. Mm-hmm. So will you speak to that? I can. It's it's multi-layered, actually. So let me let me touch on the dementia first. Okay. The dementia is a degenerative disorder. Okay. And that it's it's rarely it's it's and it's also hereditary. So dementia is something that if someone in your family experienced that, just like Parkinson's, Huntington's, Alzheimer's, these are things that are hereditary. And so if that is something that has happened in your family, then it's there's a possibility, not a guarantee, but definitely a possibility that it can trickle down to you. Mm-hmm. Um, reversal of that is rare. It, it's hardly ever reversible. So now the dementia, one, again, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor may have been di- misdiagnosed as okay. something else, okay. Um, okay. but it could have also been dementia. I don't know if there was an accident, so maybe they had a, a traumatic brain injury. Right. There could be any number of things that happened. But so if it reversed, they obviously rested enough and gave their mind and their body a chance to heal, which the truth of the matter is, is our bodies will heal itself. It, it, it really right. is a beautiful right. mechanism, our bodies. Yes. yes. So dementia is different than memory loss. Dementia is degenerative. So your mind is actually going away. Like all of those things are going away. Now, with memory loss, you're right. (laughs) If you have menopause, if you're in menopause, even if you're pre-menopausal, so if you're in perimenopause, that's when it's really frustrating because at least with menopause, you know for certain. Right. Right. Perimenopause is so sporadic and out of control that you're like, what is happening? I don't understand what is going on. Mm -hmm. Yes. Memory loss can be uh, a a symptom of that. And really, it's just not lack of focus. It's not even really memory loss. It's more lack of focus. So you just get foggy and you can't remember things. Okay. When you have a lot of stress in your life, when you have Mm -hmm. A major grief situation like from in my situation mm-hmm. um when I was eight years old my mom and dad split and my daddy drove us from Polar to Texas to California mm-hmm. and the view of an eight-year-old is that he basically dropped us off because we mm-hmm. came and he left mm-hmm. and because my my mom is not the kind of mom that explains things to a child which a lot mm-hmm. of parents are that way I'm not blaming my mother for that it's just a lot of parents don't talk mm-hmm. to kids and tell them what's actually happening mm-hmm. the eight-year-old mind said well somebody must have done something wrong and so it must be you because he left can't be him 
it has to be you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of, yeah, so there was a lot of anger that started there at eight. Mm-hmm. Then through my own life, and now I understand it was partly because of my disorder, through my own life, there was a lot of drinking, a lot of um, promiscuous behavior. There was a lot of sadness. Um, I lost my grandfather, who he was my champion. He was mm-hmm. the one that made me feel pretty and smart and mm-hmm. and all of those things. So over time of this negative things happening to you, that creates grief and trauma. And everyone isn't equipped to recover from that. In my case, um, what developed was um, dissociative amnesia. And dissociative amnesia is kind of how people say, you know, I don't remember that bad experience that happened to me. You, it's it's uh, what some people say, a selective memory. That's what people call it a lot of times. Um, because you've chosen, and I know this happens a lot with uh, rape victims and people who really have major things that happen in their life. Like uh, I work with a lady who was part of the Sandy Hook um, school shooting when she was, I guess, 16 or 12. She was young. And because of that trauma, you know, she has holes. She has, you know, pieces because of the PTSD that plays a part. So that's why this is such a multi-layered question. I know it goes deeper than what we can do here, but that's just like a little bit, a little tidbit of each little piece of that and why and how that happens. And stress can bring all that on. And so when people say, like my friends and family for the longest time got, and still get so frustrated at me with me about how I don't remember things. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why don't you remember that situation it happened this way and da, 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 da. and people should remember that everyone's recollection of a situation is probably going to be different right but right. you still remember the situation mm-hmm. with people like me who have dissociative amnesia it may have been a part of a situation or even related to a person that you've just your mind has just blocked it out it didn't happen or it happened in your mind in a totally different way that that is so far removed from what actually happened that you've your brain has has created the story to make it okay for you to digest it that's good that's yeah that's good yeah um okay so leslie okay on that same note i want to share uh, with me i had uh very traumatic incidents one after the other and Mm -hmm. to the point where I, i know that that caused the failure of my health Mm-hmm. But uh, stress was uh, huge in it, you know. So um, um, my autoimmune disease was uh, came from that. And, and now with understanding and awareness and after reading and researching, I've come to understand that. Mm-hmm. And I have, um, I live a balanced life. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, um, for me, uh, I, I, prayer is, is answered to me. And, and so I live what is called a balanced life. So, mm-hmm. so I know that my food is my medicine. Mm-hmm. So I'm careful about what I eat. I go to bed at a certain time. I get up at a certain time. Um, I have things that I do in the morning that set my day before I do anything else. Um, I'm important to me. My time alone is important to me. Yes, yes. So I'm never, I'm, I'm not going to say never. It's rare 
mm-hmm. mean, very rare that I'm overwhelmed about anything that's going to happen in the day. I will usually know what I'm going to uh, do for that day. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't get done, then it's okay. I'll hit it the next day, you know? Yes. And so, so I live in a place of peace and, uh, and I know that's God for me is the peace of God that, that passes all understanding. Mm-hmm. But before I became aware, I didn't know what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because the holes, when you talk about the holes mm-hmm. in the memory. Yeah. I, I it was, it is something could happen and I really couldn't connect the mature answer for it until like the next day. Yep. And I would be lying in bed thinking, oh man, this is what this meant. And and now I'm I'm healed, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize I was having trauma until after my trauma was over. Yeah. And so, you know, in looking at your materials and listening to a, a lot of things, one of the things, I, I don't know if I said this earlier, that I, I really like the fact that that you know that you're a person that's helping by experience. Mm-hmm. And you know what it's like to be in those situations. Right. But what do you say to someone who is, they don't know. Mm-hmm. What's going, like I said, most mm-hmm. of the time, people that I talk with, they don't know that they've experienced trauma until mm-hmm. after they've come out of it. And then I'm right. listening to your story and see the trauma didn't just affect me; it affected my children, mm-hmm. you know, who were young at the time. How, how would you speak to? Let's go here. Let, how would you speak to? Because you mainly specialize in women. Mm-hmm. How would you speak to a mom that is going through something? Let's say a uh, uh, illness, and they have small children, and they're trying to explain it or not explain it to their children? Should they explain it to their children? How can they help? I know that's a lot. It's a lot and it's a big question. And and the thing about that is it is definitely personal choice. Uh, So I'll open with that. Um, I think that some people feel a certain way based on their religious belief or how they were raised or whatever, what they feel children should know, children should be exposed to. Like there are some people that won't take a child under, I guess, 10 to a funeral or what have you, because they don't feel that they should be exposed to that, what have you. Um, I personally disagree with that, mm-hmm. um, but there's a way to prepare them for that. Um, and it is having, because kids, especially kids today, kids today are exposed to so much more oh, Yes. than we were exposed to as children. So I can kind of understand our generations and further back. Um, I'm a Gen Xer and I'm like on the borderline of baby boomers. So yeah, I was born in 69. So yeah, those of us who grew up in the 70s and even maybe even in the 80s, our life experience is going to be different. But kids today, we are on a never ending information cycle because like we remember when when TV went off. Like there was yes. a time in the day yes. yeah. right, where there was no information being communicated, period. Right. <laughs> From right. this time right. to this time, everything was shut off. No. That's right. That's right. That is not the case today. Right. Right. So children understand a lot more mm-hmm. than they did when we were kids. So mm-hmm. there's a way to, and there are, there's a bevy of information online, on YouTube, at bookstores, mm-hmm. on how to say what you want to say. So Mm -hmm. I would recommend definitely going that route. But that's what I would say to that mom that has the illness. The other thing is 
again, it's a personal choice, but I know my mom always and still says that I just, I, every time she says it, I tell her, don't say that to me. But she always said that she'll never tell us if she was ill. And mm. that breaks my heart, especially because of how transparent I am. I firmly mm. believe in putting it all out there, but that's my personal choice. Mm. If you are that person, you have a right to that decision. That's the other piece. If that is your decision, you have a right to that decision. I hope you don't make that decision because here's why. That will be for certain the trauma in your child's life. Right, right. The right, surprise right. of it. Not necessarily that it's happening because if you prepare them for it to happen, that actually minimizes if not totally disintegrates the the trauma of the thing happening, the illness happening. But you surprising them by your death or your immobility or whatever it is, that's the trauma. And that's what you don't want to pass on to the people, not only your children, but your loved ones, or even your friends, your friends and family. You don't want that to be in their space. Um, but again, I'll circle back to what I said. It's not your job to own their feelings. So you want to put you first. And it's not being selfish to do that. If you don't want to do that, then own that and or do it in your time. Because right. you have to be okay. Just like I had to be okay with sharing my bipolar. Mm-hmm. And it took a moment because I mm-hmm. got comfortable with the anxiety panic disorder, which took a while. And then it took another while for the bipolar. You have to make peace in your mm-hmm. own mind, body, and spirit about what is going on with you. Mm-hmm. Until you can do that, then it might be better to keep it to yourself. But when and if you feel that you've made peace with the inevitability of what's happening to you, please, 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 please honor and love your family and friends enough to minimize how it will impact them by sharing that with them. I want you to just tell my listeners how they can get in contact with you. It's it's very easy. It's LP Speak across the board. So my website is www.lp, like my initials, LP Speak, not Speaks, Speak, S-P-E-A-K dot com. And that's the website. And then it's LP Speak. So it's at LP Speak on Instagram, at LP Speak on Facebook. Leslie, one other thing I want to ask you. Of course. I I feel like you've been doing this all the way through, but will you please give my listeners some encouraging and inspiring words? Oh, wow. Well, you put me on the spot for that one. Um, (laughs) I always say to live the habit of happy. That's the first thing. And, you know, be, be, I don't like using the word authentic because I think it's overused. Just be who you are. Give yourself permission to be who you are. And we are lucky enough to be in a time now where it doesn't matter if you're reserved or the wackiest person on the block. Mm. Just be, we we now have license Mm. to just be who you are. So be who you are. And the people that have something to say about that, that's their stuff. Do not own anything that does not belong to you. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So that's, 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 hopefully that was helpful. 
Yeah, it is. Listen, <laughs> thank you again for accepting my invitation. And I'm sure my listeners are going to love it. I hope so. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you or someone you know needs help, call 1-800-273-TALK. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255 to reach a 24-hour crisis center. Or text MHA to 741-741. You can also call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.